Let us hear the reading of the gospel. It's a little lengthy, so bear with me. It comes from John 11, a very familiar story to you. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Martha was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. When Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after hearing that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after, he, then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews are just now trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are you not twelve hours of are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who will walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of the world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to him, to the fellow disciples, let us also go there that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and a way of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into this world. When she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And then she heard it. She got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came she, where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You know, on this all Saints Sunday, we remember, and it has great significance for us. It has great significance for us in times of our struggles, our challenges. We heard the prayer request today. We know there are people struggling. We know that within our church congregation, people are struggling. But my hope is that the members of Burge Chapel will find strength in remembering our place and this ongoing chain of witnesses that forms this congregation. We are part of something that began at the start of the last century. Think about that. We know how old this church is. We know from the tombstones how old this church is. But still today, our duty as a church is to engage in vital ministry. We must remember that we are building on the commitment of all those all those who have gone before us. We must never forget that as we sit here today, we are standing on their shoulders. 
Our gospel lesson this morning, I read the whole thing because I think you have to read the whole thing. The story of raising of Lazarus really represents one of the most challenging of all the texts in Scripture. This dramatic account of Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead is only found in John's Gospel. There are other stories of Jesus raising people from the dead. Jairus, his daughter, the widow's son in name. But these, those miraculous events occurred very shortly after the death. So people tend to put a spin on it that, um, or imagine that these individuals may have been in just a deep sleep or a coma that they may not have actually been dead. But in the case of Lazarus, we have a story of a person who had been in the grave for several days. Back when the embalming techniques were not what they are today. So they were right when the sister said, there is already a stench coming. So can you imagine the reaction of those witnesses? How electrifying it must have been for them to witness this miracle. There are many biblical scholars and theological scholars that believe that this miracle was the tipping point for the authorities in Jerusalem that this act may have been actually what tipped things in the direction of Jesus' death. That's how significant this event was. You know, but today we really don't know about death. You know, since World War I, new churches were really designed for the churchyard for burials. Cemeteries now look like just pastures or a golf course or a nature preserve. You don't see the tombstones. They're rather forbidden. And if you do have one, it must be even with the ground. Have you thought about that when you're driving through the countryside? You don't really see the church with tombstones like we have. There is a tin to have a memorial park instead. Just rolling hills with nothing to see. In contemporary America, it is our tendency to avoid death with everything we have. Funerals become less common. And if there is a remembrance service, it is often a very neutral atmosphere where conversation is encouraged just to have a good laugh rather than a good cry. American society treats grief as if it is a psychological disorder. Nowhere is there a failure of our death-denying society more apparent than with teenagers. 
You see it when they gather to mourn a friend. Nothing has prepared these young people for the dynamics of grieving. The church body, however, is very different. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Matthew 5, 4, those are words from the Beatitudes that challenge us to stand up in the midst of the death-denying society and say it is reasonable to mourn and it is equally appropriate to give thanks for grief. Equally appropriate to give thanks for grief. And there is the but that's coming. But never like those who have no hope. That's the difference. We remember those who have died, particularly over this last year. And we acknowledge that we are diminished somewhat because they are not with us. But we also celebrate that we are greater because they have graced us by their companionship. On this All Saints Sunday, we boldly proclaim that we do not need to fear or deny death. Physical death is part of our natural order of things. The mortality of the human race, no matter how we try to avoid it, is still 100%. There's nothing we can do to get around it. But here it is. That's okay. It's all right. We have our Lord's promise that the relationship we have with God in this life will continue what is more, we are confident that we will be united with those whom we have known and loved in this life. We can't prove it, but we don't have to. Prior to the act of calling Lazarus to come out of the tomb are the most important words spoken in this whole long passage. Listen closely to what Jesus said to Mary. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Those are the words of assurance, blessed assurance to us who know that one day all of us will be gone. But like Lazarus sisters, we pray that some power will protect us. That that won't happen. But we know you cannot prevent that common reality that we share, that it's going to touch us. But on this All Saints Day, it urges us to place our confidence in our loving Savior, 
who promised that nothing, nothing would ever separate us from him. And it is in that faith and trust, I think, that we accept whatever is to come, including that time when we will make our own transfer from the ranks of the church here on earth to the church triumphant in heaven. You know, there is a bend. If you're familiar with Gulfport Lake, what flows into it is the Chudakabuff and the Biloxi. I spent a lot of time on the Biloxi River. And there's a certain bend as you're heading toward Gulfport Lake that you go around right before you get to Grasshopper Island. It's a tight little curve. It's changed a great deal since Katrina, but prior to Katrina, it was a pretty tight curve. And it had a pretty high little bluff above it. And on that bluff was an oak tree with a rope swing in it. And we used to stop the boat every now and then and, and watch these young men jump on that rope swing and fall, which, you know, I was always the mother of the group saying, did you check for stomps? You know, <laughs> because you just never know what washed down. But one day, my friend Janie and I had the kids in the boat, the party barge, and we just stopped to watch them. And there was this young, one young man who really wanted to jump. I could just see it. He had the rope and he would get to the end and he'd go back and he would get to the end. And his friends were already in the water. And they said, swing out. Let go of the rope. We've gone before you. It's okay. Have some hope. And that has always stuck with me. Let go of the rope. Have the hope, because you're living the blessed assurance of our Savior, who says, you can't be separated from me. If you believe in me, you will live with me in heaven. Isn't that what we're all striving for? To let go of the rope with great assurance. So it is in that faith, in that assurance, that we know we are never alone. And there are relationship with those whom we have known and loved is changed. We're not separated, truly. We have the best of their example the seed of their inspiration and the challenge to greatness that they left us is truly one of our cherished gifts. Every one of us gathered today holds someone precious in our hearts. Someone who has gone ahead of us. Someone who let go of the rope with great hope with that blessed assurance we miss them we mourn them but we also cherish their memory and gain strength from all that we recall if we weep 
We do not weep for like those who have no hope. The promise we have received is that we do not have to remain in our fear and in our distress. God has turned his face toward us and in the radiance of his presence we have confidence to face whatever this future holds for us. For blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Amen and amen.